welcome to the University of Virginia School of Law. My name is Kim Ford Masrui. I'm the Mortimer Kaplan Professor of Law and the Director of the Center for the Study of Race and Law. I am thrilled to welcome you to join us this afternoon for this special occasion to commemorate Gregory H. Swanson and the integration of the University of Virginia. I thank you all for being here, but I did want to uh, name a few people uh, specifically and a few groups of people. Uh, I thank Mrs. Gregory Swanson, who is on her way, uh, the widow of the late Gregory Swanson, uh, for making the journey, and her daughter Camille and daughter Karen. Also to our distinguished speakers, uh, Rusty Connor, the rector of the university, President Teresa Sullivan, Dean Risa Goyaboff, and Swanson family members, Dr. Love Asante and Evans Hopkins. Uh, thank you also to your spouses for being here, to the extended Swanson family and friends, uh, to faculty, staff, and students who could join us, to the legacy, Swanson Legacy Committee, uh, to members of our local community, and to those who have traveled from out of town, including leaders in government uh, and at uh, sister institutions of higher education. I also wanted to identify a particular organization that was of special importance to Gregory Swanson and to so many others, uh, and that's uh, Phi Alpha Phi. Um, ah, okay. <laughs> okay. My excuse is that I am legally blind. Uh, <laughs> So even my notes in 60-point font, I don't always see them very well. So uh, Alpha Phi Alpha. And uh, if, if you're comfortable, uh, could you please stand for a minute while I say a few words about your organization, which I have been uh, astoundedly impressed to learn about. Uh, during segregation uh, and uh, continuing to this day, black fraternities play a crucial role in providing academic, social, and spiritual support to literally hundreds of thousands of black undergraduate and graduate students. The oldest and largest intercollegiate black fraternity is Alpha Phi Alpha. Uh, indeed, it is global. Uh, it was founded in 1906 at Cornell University. Its list of distinguished alum and accomplishments is far too long to list here, but I can refer you to their Wikipedia page uh, if you have an hour to read it. Uh, but I'll name a few exalted uh, alums. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whom I mention especially because uh, this event is part of the Martin Luther King uh, commemoration, and every year in honor of the Martin Luther King commemoration, we will give the uh, annual Gregory H. Swanson Award to uh, students in our community. Uh, and in fact, Alpha Phi Alpha is responsible for the design and fundraising and erection of the Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Monument on the Mall in Washington, D.C. Uh, a few others include uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, Andrew Young, Charles Hamilton Houston, Thurgood Marshall, and Gregory Hayes Swanson. 
So uh, thank you, Alpha Men, for being here to support uh, Brother Swanson. Before turning to the speakers, uh, please indulge me in sharing an email exchange I had with Sister Karen Swanson, uh, Gregory Swanson's eldest daughter. Uh, Karen has had uh, some mixed feelings about this event because she knew her father uh, did not like to promote himself. And so I tried to reassure Karen uh, that honoring her father is not just about honoring him uh, as a great person, but also it's about benefiting us, the law school uh, and the university. So I thought if I uh, share this exchange, it's not as long as it looks because it's in gigantic font, but um, it can give you a sense of what this means to the university and what this means to Karen and her family. So I said to Karen, I believe we are doing right by your father. His reluctance to make a big deal of his integrating the, quote, Harvard of the South, unquote, as my father used to call UVA, was likely due to his humility and a belief that many people work to advance, to advance compassionate justice and that we should not exalt him over other more hidden figures. This event honors your father, attention he did not seek, but it is also about the University of Virginia and the law school demonstrating our belated commitment to equality. Portraits, monuments, and named scholarships are more about, are, excuse me, are about more than the individuals memorialized. They are also about the message that the community wants to make publicly. By honoring your father, the university states publicly that we repudiate our past white supremacy and commit to inclusiveness that re and respect for the dignity of all people. The Gregory H. Swanson Award will annually honor extraordinary students in our community, like the two sitting here today, who exemplify the traits that your father modeled every day by his character, words, and deeds. Your dad's portrait and accompanying historical description will tell students, parents, and visitors to the law school that courage, perseverance, dedicated to learnedness, and commitment to justice are attributes that UVA prizes and which we encourage our students to emulate. In short, we honor your dad for the good of all of us. And in Karen's gracious response, she included a message directly to her father, which I share with her permission. Dad, UVA welcomes you, not as a vagrant or visitor, but as part of the community, part of its foundation, part of its evolution. You have a revered place. You are safe. You are respected. You are wanted. You are needed. You are embraced. They see you. Uh, thank you, Karen, for those profound words. And let me uh, turn it over to our speakers. Please welcome our first, uh, Dean Risa Goiba. Thank you, Kim, and welcome, everyone. 
to this important event. I would, again, welcome everyone individually, but if I went through all the wonderful people who are here, I would never get to say anything else. But let me just say how happy I am to see Gregory Swanson's family here and how glad I am that you were able to be here. People from the Charlottesville community, around the university, the law school, our alumni. As Kim mentioned, this event is part of the larger University Martin Luther King Day commemoration, and it's also part of the ongoing bicentennial commemorations of the University of Virginia and the law school. It's actually our first bicentennial event here at the law school. And Gregory Swanson deserves an important place in both canons of these ongoing series of events, of those who fought and still fight for racial justice and equality of all, and those who made this university and this law school what it is today. In 1950, Gregory Swanson was 25 years old, a lot younger than in this portrait, 25 years old, like some of the students in the audience today. He had already graduated from Howard University and Howard Law School. He'd already begun practicing law with prominent Virginia civil rights lawyers Oliver Hill, Martin Martin, Spotswood Robinson in their Richmond firm, as well as with prominent civil rights lawyer Jerry L. Williams in Danville, whose sons are here today, and alumni of the law school. He heard that the Terrell Law School, a night African-American law school in Washington, D.C., was looking for faculty, and that one needed an advanced degree for the position. Gregory Swanson was interested, and he was ambitious, and he decided to apply for such a degree. He applied to UVA Law School in November of 1949. He was from Virginia. This was his home state. UVA would be affordable. And moreover, and more importantly, at this very moment in the late 1940s, there were cases proceeding through the courts in which plaintiffs were arguing that state universities had to admit African Americans to white graduate programs, and many of these cases were about law schools in particular, if they did not have comparable programs available to African American students. And Gregory Swanson thought that UVA could be one of the universities in which this was tested, and particularly the Harvard of the South. The law school faculty, which had only just recently uh, hired its first Jewish faculty member, Mortimer Kaplan, who would later become Gregory Swanson's boss at the IRS, as well as one of his professors while he was here, and whose son Michael is also here. The law school faculty voted to admit Gregory Swanson in January of 1950. The university waited several months. They wanted to see the outcome of these cases winding their way through the courts, uh, and in June 1950, the Supreme Court sided with the plaintiff's arguments and mandated that universities did indeed have to admit African Americans to graduate programs if they did not have them. The university, however, rejected Mr. Swanson. Even though Supreme Court doctrine trumped the Virginia Constitution and Virginia laws requiring segregation of educational programs, and even though it wasn't even clear to the university's lawyers whether such requirements applied to graduate education in the first place. But the university leadership was worried about the financial and political consequences of voluntarily desegregating. They preferred to be required to desegregate even if it was inevitable by court order. Mr. Swanson had not really expected to be admitted. He expected to be told that attending some out-of-state institution through a grant in aid would be a compromise. Many had indeed accepted that compromise before him, 
and it had been a real brain drain on the region that so many promising young African-American graduate students had to leave the region in order to be educated and often never returned. Moreover, as a lawyer, Mr. Swanson knew that the Supreme Court cases had established a principle that the university would have to follow. His training, his values, and his commitment to justice made him believe that his admission to UVA law would be, quote, a triumph in the struggle to break down segregation and discrimination or to bring about equalization in education facilities. So Mr. Swanson did what lawyers do. He sought justice, he filed a lawsuit, he had help from the Virginia NAACP, from his former colleagues at Hill, Martin, and Robinson, as well as Thurgood Marshall from the National NAACP who joined him. In what is now the Charlottesville Public Library, but was then the post office, the federal building, and the federal courthouse, and there is now a plaque hanging in the public library in this room, thanks to Evans Hopkins and the Swanson Legacy Committee, many of whom are here today. There was a hearing in the federal court that lasted all of 30 minutes. The university's lawyers offered no arguments. Their main concern was to limit the ruling to graduate law programs, and Swanson's lawyers and they had agreed to that beforehand. A three-judge panel of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Virginia ordered Mr. Swanson's admission to the law school and the university. Professor Leslie Buckler, who was head of the graduate program at the law school at the time, had been so certain of the outcome that he had planned a meeting with Mr. Swanson for later that afternoon to discuss which classes he should take. So by mid-September of 1950, Mr. Swanson was registered and taking classes at the University of Virginia Law School, the first, I'm told, African-American to integrate a Southern University. Imagine what it was like for Gregory Swanson here in 1950 and 1951. In certain ways, he was just like other students. He took classes, he worried about what was then called his first delivery, we would call today a cold call, but he was pleased and proud with his performance. He attended lectures and football games. He was a regular at the Tuesday evening concert series. He was a fan of uh, 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 music, and especially classical music. He'd be pleased with the piano today. He was purposeful about these activities. He said, quote, I am endeavoring to participate in university activities as much as possible so that the students can get used to the idea of a Negro being here. And therein lie the fundamental difference between Gregory Swanson and everyone else at the University of Virginia. 25 years old, and he was not just at a segregated school, he was at a school that was entirely white, but for him and Walter Ridley, who quickly followed his lead in the fall of 1950 and began a PhD program in the Curry School, but Walter Ridley was a commuter. He wasn't here on a daily basis in the same way that Gregory Swanson was. He experienced some kindnesses, Mr. Swanson did, he worked closely with his advisors, including Professor Buckler, who had invited him to his own home for meetings about his coursework, as he did with white students. There were students he shared lunches with, who talked tax with him, talked about their futures as tax lawyers. He found and made his own community at the Unitarian Church. He joined the UVA YMCA, where he made some friends and helped organize its committee for racial understanding. But there were limits on the community he could create and the kindnesses that he received could never be taken for granted because of the larger context of isolation, segregation, struggle, exclusion, hostility, and paternalism in which he lived. 
This was a white university in a segregated town. He lived far away from his fellow students at the Carter Inn, the Black Hotel, in the old African-American neighborhood of Vinegar Hill, which no longer exists. He wrote to one of his friends, quote, it is difficult to stop realizing that I am on the spot as well as a stranger in this town. I walk to the university each day, a mile or more, good exercise, and the whites also, st all stop, also stop to stare at me, for they realize that I'm going to the university. I should like to read their minds. Sometimes I feel that I do. What he read there was not friendly or positive or welcoming. His fraternity, as we've already heard, and fraternity life was so important to him at Howard, and yet Mr. Swanson was excluded from fraternities here and accordingly from much of the social life at the University of Virginia. And with dignity and courage, all this aside, all this present for him, he made the most of his education here. He took eight courses over the academic year 1950-1951, even though the graduate program did not actually require him to take any. He took advantage of all that the university had to offer. He stood up for himself and for civil rights and told his story not only here, but all around the Commonwealth as a frequent speaker at churches, at the NAACP, in editorials, in African-American newspapers. There are many myths that circulate about Mr. Swanson's departure from UVA, that he left halfway through the year, that he failed to get a degree in disgrace, or that the university outright refused to grant him one. They are all false. Tell me, my historians, myself among them, our archivists in the library who have been hard at work. It turns out that our graduate program in law, our Master of Laws or LLM degree, which was created in the mid-1940s, was new and a fairly poorly organized program. Actually, almost no one who did an LLM degree here in the mid-1950s and the 1950s completed their degree. The program required residence for a year, which Gregory Swanson did, and then after that one-year residence, thesis writing while continuing one's practice. I don't know if you've ever tried to write a major paper while practicing law, but it is not very easy. That was especially the case for Mr. Swanson, who before he even left here, and while still a student, in my understanding, possibly the first student to actually represent uh, a client in a case while a student, he represented an African-American man accused of, ra of raping a white woman in a death penalty case here in Charlottesville. In addition, he was a prominent member of the activist civil rights community in the Commonwealth of Virginia. He played a prominent role in civil rights organizing, spoke often about civil rights, and set up his own private practice. Moreover, over the course of the 1950-1951 school year, the Terrell Law School had closed. So the reason he needed the degree was no longer as pressing. So Mr. Swanson completed his year in residence. He left the law school with every intention of finishing his thesis and remained in contact with Professor Buckler about whether he might or whether he was too busy. And like so many others in this program in the 1950s, he found his life and his career taking him in other directions. In other words, there is so much success here for Gregory Swanson. Success in using the law to do justice in the best traditions of our profession. Success in changing the face of this university and this law school. In inspiring other African Americans who quickly followed him to UVA. In prompting other universities in Virginia quickly to integrate after his successful lawsuit. 
success in helping make us the diverse and inclusive institution we are today, and success in navigating a situation that would have cowed a lesser man or woman. In other words, success in changing the world. We celebrate Gregory Swanson for all of that today. As may already be clear from the ambivalences of this story, today is not just a celebration of Gregory Swanson. It is, as your program says, a commemoration. A commemoration is different. It's something more sober. It has a quality of contemplation that the history we mark is not all joy and light. There is regret in the story I have been telling. And telling this story enables us, as Kim said, to repudiate parts of it. Our past as a segregated university and law school, our past of exclusion and rejection and white supremacy. At the same time, telling this story, and especially telling it in conjunction with our Martin Luther King commemoration and our bicentennial commemoration, enables us to honor Gregory Swanson and embrace him, as Karen has said, as part of our national history and our civil rights history, as part of the history of the university and the law school. He was the client who determined to integrate the University of Virginia, the lawyer who brought a lawsuit to make that happen and achieved a milestone in civil rights history, and the person who lived that integration firsthand with dignity and grace. Telling, us stor telling this story reminds us that we remake history every day. Indeed, we remake history every day in part through the stories we tell about ourselves and our past. We get to shape who we are as an institution and who we want to be in the future. We have chosen and we choose every day to be the institution Gregory Swanson saw in us and helped us to become. Thank you. Please join me in welcoming our next speaker, Dr. Monifa Love Asante, who is the niece of Gregory Swanson and is a professor of English and Modern Languages at Bowie State, Bowie State University. President Sullivan, Dean Goliber, distinguished guests, colleagues, and beloved family. I stand before you with the spirits of all our family members who are not able to make the trip today. I stand with our cousin, Fred Swanson Jr., a beautiful and generous soul who made his transition six weeks ago. I also stand with our dearly loved aunt, Catherine Louise Swanson Barlow, who returned home on October 3rd, 2017. I stand before you grateful for the confidence that my family has in me to speak on an occasion that is full of many feelings. We are at a remarkable intersection. Just consider everything that has been in play to bring us here together. Surely the courage and amazing intellect of Gregory Swanson brings us here. But his incredible story is just one of the puzzle pieces that allows us to gather 
in commemoration and celebration. If one takes a certain view of our lives, generations ago, someone dreamed of this moment. And just as I stand here with my legion of family members, ancestral and those who are beautifully vibrant in the room, you are here with your people, your stories, your reasons for and reasons in spite of. That we gather here is in its way as stunning as Gregory Swanson striding across the UVA campus. There is no question that Gregory Swanson was a giant. His intellect was gargantuan. His capacity to walk this earth with integrity and compassion, massive. His dislike of foolishness and mayhem, tremendous. His knowledge about human behavior and institutional dynamics, enormous. His love for words and the power of them, immense. His understanding of strategy, wide-reaching and highly sought after. His hunger to see what people were made of, colossal. And his love for his family, inexhaustible. Without a doubt, we are here acknowledging a powerful man. Yet, if we only see him as exceptionally talented, we missed most of his important story. Indeed, we missed most of our important story. Black excellence is not rare. No matter how talented one individual may be, talent is not their winning card. It is their belief in the possibility of growth and a love for the adventure of life. So when you look at this wonderful portrait of our uncle, father, husband, compatriot, see him for who he is, a man whose parents passed on to him the baton of uplift, of trailblazing for the truth of human dignity. And when we look at his portrait, please let us see all the men and women whose parents set them on the same path of striving. Astronomer and philosopher Carl Sagan commented that we're made of star stuff because the atoms in our bodies were created from stars living over a billion years ago. Many people forget of what they are made. They see themselves as small, and this bogus self-perception can make people timid, violent, dangerous. It makes them overcompensate for fear they will not have enough or not be regarded as important. It turns them into bullies and fear mongers. There are, however, countless people like Gregory Swanson who know what they are made of and are seeking to live largely, as largely and honorably as their creator will allow. So when you see the twinkle in Uncle Gregory's eyes, think about him and think about yourself as being made of the stuff of stars. On a final note, when you see the twinkle in his eyes, also think about him as being fairly mischievous. Trailblazing is not a task for the faint-hearted or the humorless or the self-righteous. One does not succeed in the mission of uplift without perstance. You will not find that word in the dictionary, though it was in my uncle's vocabulary. 
The word was given to him by a gentleman who knew that life is often bigger than the multi-syllable words in the dictionary. Uncle Gregory used perstans with others when he wanted them to con wanted to convey how good they looked, and they used the word with others in kind. Now, Uncle Gregory was multilingual. Latin and Greek were among his languages, so he knew words. Hearing others use the borrow word gave my uncle a certain joy. Yes, he was making fun, but he was also offering a word that served as a synonym for acknowledgement, goodwill, and sharing. Perstans. I give thanks on behalf of our family for the opportunity to marvel at all that has brought us here together, to salute the wonder that was Gregory Hayes Swanson, and to commend UVA for its efforts to recognize my uncle's noble mission. Thank you so much. Please welcome uh, our next speaker, Evans Hopkins, who is nephew to Gregory Swanson and uh, author and chair of the Legacy, Swanson Legacy Committee. Giving honor to all those assembled, to Rector Connor, President Sullivan, Dean Golubuff, members of the Swanson Legacy Committee, friends, and my beloved family. This is a beautiful day, is it not? This is indeed a truly beautiful day. With this day, with this event, the University of Virginia and the School of Law has created an aspect of culture that hereafter will become part of the fabric of life and learning of this great and esteemed university. This recognition of Gregory Swanson represents a triumph of history. It imparts an element of cultural justice from this place that teaches justice. And this cultural justice can lend a crucial power to our present and our future, a power that only stories can. Sometimes, optimistic people that we are, we may hope that there is no need to relieve, to relive the pain that may come with the struggle to overcome. But I have come to realize that we are biological beings. We operate on emotion inspiration, and a drive for meaning. Hence, the worship of media and sports idols, the reverence for those who entrance with music, the adoration of movie and television stars. But nothing moves, moves us like real life heroes and their real hero stories. As a storyteller, I fell in love with the story of my Uncle Gregory, of his struggle and sacrifice, of his fight to desegregate UVA. My Uncle Carol Swanson 
who regrets he was not able to come today, shared many stories about his brother Gregory with me. He was there with my mother and two of his other brothers, there in that courtroom on September 5th, 1950, and it affected him greatly. And the more he shared stories about Gregory with me, the more inspired I became to share the story. The story even had a 100-year-old man in it, Mortimer Kaplan, who remembered Gregory from having been at the court hearing himself. And he talked to me about Gregory being in his classes along with Robert Kennedy. And Bobby Kennedy gave the story a nice celebrity twist. A friendship formed here at UVA between the two young men, which continued into the 1960s when at a chance encounter in Washington in 1961, Kennedy asked Uncle Gregory to again be a trailblazer and arranged for him to become one of the first black attorneys at the Internal Revenue Service under their old college professor, Mortimer Kaplan. The power of the Swanson story led me to Charlottesville and UVA three years ago to speak at the Curry School and led to the development of friendships, friendships with UVA Vice President Marcus Martin, who is here today, and uh, Dean of Student Alan Grove, who's also here today. And uh, through those friendships, I was able to sort of get the attention of the University of Virginia and to have them to support the formation of the Swanson Legacy Committee. I found out that the federal courtroom still was in existence at the library here. And I met John Halliday, who's here today also. And Halliday told me that he was not aware of the library being a courtroom. I met Jim Hensley through his wife, Rachel Flynn, uh, an old friend. And Jim said, well, why don't you come to uh, Charlottesville and we'll form a committee and put together an apparatus to bring about a couple of commemorations or the beginning of some commemorations here in Charlottesville. I met Rick Turner, who's here today also, Rick. Uh, president uh, at that time of the NAACP and his wife, Tamara Turner, who was president of the Lynx. I also met uh, committee member Charlene Green, Emma Edmonds, and Phoebe Frost, who's also here today. And then Jim invited me to come to a program he was giving uh, to listen to Risa Professor at that time, Risa Dolliver. And so he said, well, come on, come on, drive to Charlottesville, and, and, and I want you to meet Risa. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna drive all the way here to hear somebody speak. <laughs> so, so I get here, and uh, the, the uh, celebration was in a courtroom, uh, Charlottesville courtroom, and uh, I see this little woman, and, she's, and she gets up on the podium, and she starts just blowing you know, as we used to say back in the 70s. And, uh, and I talked to her afterward, and she mentioned this story about how she happened to meet my cousin, um, 
Diane, who, was, who had come from Iowa to the first commemoration, and she just reached out to her and said, lady, you look like, you lo you look like you're lost. Uh, are you trying to go somewhere? And Diane said, yes, my uncle is being commemorated at the library and I have to get there. And Risa said, uh, what uncle um, commemorated? And, and she said, yes, he was the first black student at UVA. And Risa couldn't believe it because she had never heard of him. So she told me this story and I said, that's a fantastic story. Uh, and so she came to that first commemoration and she said, I couldn't believe that this story was unknown or is relatively unknown at UVA. I just can't believe that. And she says, well, I'm going to be dean. <laughs> you know, she said, uh, well, I guess I'm going to have to do something about that. <laughs> and look what she has done, everybody. So in closing, well, first let me say this day means a lot to me. Your coming out means so much to me. And I would like for you to take from this day and to look at this portrait. This portrait is a representation of art, and it becomes part of culture. It will go out into the community. In 1950, when the court hearing was uh, given, they didn't even have photos of black people in general unless they were uh, accused of criminality. But they generally didn't even run photos of black people in the white press. But here, this photo will now hang in this esteemed university. So I want you to look at this portrait and I want you to think of the spirit of this man, this hero of UVA, this patriot of Virginia. And think of the courage and spirit, spirit that embodied and emboldened this man. And may it lend you spirit and courage in your lives as well. Thank you. Well, you can see from our last two speakers that uh, Gregory Swanson passed on his love of words and eloquence. Uh, let me also ask you to join me in welcoming Teresa A. Sullivan, President of the University of Virginia. Thank you and good afternoon. I'm pleased to see so many of you here for this special event honoring the life and the legacy of Gregory Swanson. And I want to extend my appreciation to the two previous speakers, uh, Dr. Love Asante and Mr. Hopkins, for their inspiring words. And I want to extend a special welcome to all the members of the Swanson family who were able to be with us today. It's an honor to have you here this afternoon. As with so many of the events in our bicentennial, today's event gives us an opportunity to do two things. 
to reflect on our past, but also to learn from it so that we can better envision our future. That's why I'm pleased to announce today that I am formally launching a presidential commission to explore and report on UVA's role in the period of racial segregation that occurred in the 19th and 20th centuries. This work of the President's Commission on the University in the Age of Segregation will complement the work of the President's Commission on Slavery and the University, which for five years now has done so much to help us understand UVA's historical relationship to slavery and its legacies. And more than that, that commission has helped not just UVA, but many other universities, not just in the South, but also in the North and in Great Britain, to understand that their histories too interacted with the institution of slavery. And so in the same way, I hope that we can shed a light on those parts of our history of which perhaps we are not proud. As with many universities in many states at that time, UVA and the Commonwealth of Virginia were involved in segregation and other practices related to racial inequality. Virginia was the epicenter of the massive resistance movement of the 1950s that sought to oppose public school desegregation. During this period, the public schools in Charlottesville were closed to prevent desegregation, although the Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals eventually overturned the closings. There are stories of complicity in the age of segregation, but at the same time, there are stories of bravery and heroism among many people at UVA who took action to oppose segregation and its underlying beliefs. As we heard today, Gregory Swanson was an agent of integration at UVA at a time when society and state law did not welcome him. His victory inspired other African Americans to join him here at UVA and spurred the integration of other all-white institutions in the Commonwealth. His courage and perseverance paved the way for the diverse communities that the law school and the university have become, and more importantly, are becoming. The President's Commission on the University in the Age of Segregation will explore these and related elements of our shared past. And I am chartering it for four years with the consultation and approval of my successor, President-elect Jim Ryan. This means that today's commemoration of the life and legacy of Gregory Swanson is another critical step and an important step in our ongoing effort to tell the full story of the university's history. Thank you again for being here. And as you go home tonight, take with you the special memories and legacy of this program.
so much. Uh, please join me in welcoming Rusty Connor, the rector of the University of Virginia. We assemble this afternoon to remember and honor a man of unquestioned courage and grace who saw a wrong and sought to right it, and in so doing, contributed to the continued progress of creating a more perfect university and a more perfect union. We are indeed indebted to Gregory Hayes Swanson, and that we includes all of us, regardless of our race, our gender, or our ethnicity. For while he achieved a victory for whom this university once denied the opportunity of an education, he also achieved the furtherance of a fairer, more equal, more pluralistic, more just society to the benefit of all of us. A society that is based on the rule of law. If we are to honor Gregory Swanson in the manner I believe he would wish, and certainly he deserves, we must also acknowledge the obligation that his actions and the actions of all who have, through the years, helped bend the arc of history towards justice impose on each of us to create a community and a nation in which the inalienable right of equality pervades. The road remains long in achieving this goal, but let us not despair, as progress on this front has never been linear. In honoring Gregory Swanson, we should challenge ourselves to demonstrate the courage of his actions by standing for what we know is right and truthful and intended for this nation's destiny and promise, rather than yielding to what we know is expedient. In his words, justice starts right here. Indeed, justice does start with each of us, and the obligation to further justice remains with each of us each day. We need to remember that history is being recorded every day. And our actions and our inactions, and therefore our place within the arc of history, will be forever remembered. History was recorded in 1950 when a court had to order the university to admit Gregory Swanson. And it is being recorded today as the university embraces him and the enduring values his actions represented. Future generations will know whether we furthered or whether we obstructed 
social and economic justice for all. Let's aspire to be judged by future generations as we today judge Gregory Hayes Swanson. Thanks to the Swanson family for the remarkable gift that they gave this university and this nation. Thank you. Thank you very much. A theme throughout the speeches today has been looking back at history, but in part to look forward in a way that learns from and improves upon that history. And this uh, final phase of our uh, program is very much about uh, recognizing in people today and in the future ways of carrying on the kinds of virtues that Gregory Swanson modeled. Uh, let me invite Dean Goliboff back to the podium uh, for the presentation of the Gregory Swanson Student Award in recognition of courage, perseverance, and commitment to justice. So as Evans uh, mentioned, this event had its origins in my chagrin at learning about Gregory Swanson for the very first time just about two years ago, shortly before I was named Dean, when I happened across the Swanson Legacy uh, Committee's first event at the Charlottesville Library through Diane. Uh, as may be obvious by now, I am a civil rights historian. I am a student of the NAACP. I had been a faculty member at this law school and university for a decade and a half at that time. And I really thought to myself, how could I not have known him, uh, and it's become clear to me since that some members of our community have always known him, uh, especially the African-American students and faculty here have always known him, but it was my goal from that moment on to rectify this and to make sure that Gregory Swanson became someone that everyone in our community and beyond our community would know, and this event was a first step toward that. This beautiful portrait by Ned Bittinger, which will hang in the law school library at the request of the family, which is a place, uh, not this particular library, but uh, Gregory Swanson, as you have heard, uh, was a reader, uh, a fan of books and of words, and would be a place where he would like to live uh, his legacy. So it will be hanging there as of tomorrow. Uh, and there will be a, 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 um, uh, some information next to it that briefly retells his story so that anyone who comes through this law school, people who are members of our community and not, will learn about who he was, what he did for all of us, how he comported himself as a lawyer. And the final piece is this annual award in his name so that his memory lives on and that our students aspire to have the courage, perseverance, and commitment to justice that he embodied and that they know that we value those attributes and reward them. It is my deep pleasure to award the inaugural Gregory Swanson Awards. There are two. There were so many wonderful students who were nominated who have walked paths that Mr. Swanson would be proud of today and that I hope his family will be proud of. Uh, and we couldn't choose just one, so we have chosen two. And I will, uh, in alphabetical order, there's no, uh, no merit to this order, uh, I will tell you why. So I'll, I'll talk about the first uh, and he'll come up and, and receive his award and then I'll tell you about the second. Ja Akande was described by one of his nominators for this award as a quote, man of the community, unquote. 
This title could not be more fitting. Prior to coming to UVA Law School, Joss served with great courage his high school, college, and broader communities in too many capacities to name here. I'll give you some examples. He was the first ever African-American and LGBTQ president of his high school student government association, and he started its Gay Straight Alliance. He broke an archaic barrier between the gendered coordinate college system at the University of Richmond as an undergraduate by transferring from the female to male college upon his own social transition. He served as the speaker at the University of Richmond's first lavender graduation ceremony. He worked as a legislative policy intern for Equality Virginia on the Virginia Non-Discrimination Act, and he taught in a low-income school in London. Upon joining the UVA law school community, Ja has maintained his commitment to service and justice in our community by volunteering with the Migrant Farm Worker Pro Bono Project, serving as the education chair for the Black Law Students Association, mentoring underclass people as a peer advisor, and representing at-risk youth in the Child Advocacy Clinic. He's been busy. Ja's intelligence, charisma, empathy, and work ethic make him extraordinarily successful at all he does, and especially in, in his efforts to serve to care for and to elevate others. Jaw's perseverance in overcoming personal challenges in what can be a hostile world and his commitment to others and the ideals of justice make Jaw Akande a most fitting recipient of the inaugural Gregory Swanson Award. Please join me in congratulating him. Our second award recipient is Takara Nelson. There was a common refrain in the letters written by Takara Nelson's nominators. They all focused on her courage, her community building, and her civility, and they did so for good reason. Takara's courage was evident long before she came to UVA Law School as she overcame adversity growing up in Detroit, Michigan. And it has been evident here at the law school where she consistently speaks up for marginalized students and takes on entrenched intolerances. A natural leader, Takara serves in leadership roles all across the student body. She's within the Student Bar Association, the Lambda Law, the Black, Students law, Black Law Students Association, among other organizations. She also serves as co-chair of our Admitted Students Open House, which brings in prospective and admitted students, and as a law school ambassador for prospective students. One of her nominators described just how effective she is in these roles as an ambassador of the law school during a recruiting trip where Takara was talking to potential students and they were so enraptured by her description of UVA Law School that they took notes. They took notes. <laughs> the common theme among these roles is that Takara works hard to bring people into our community and unite them once here. And I have had many conversations with Takara where she's trying to make this place a better place. And she assures me the reason she does it is that she loves it here and she just wants to improve upon it, and I believe her. Takara's civility was on full display in the wake of the events in Charlottesville on August 11th and 12th. 
and she's too humble to tell you this, but she was a rock star. She immediately responded to requests from the faculty and the administration to support incoming students who had arrived in Charlottesville that weekend, that Saturday, and they had not yet met anyone in the law school. She literally drove to the apartment of one of these students, took her in, and showed her what it meant to be a part of this community. She also took on a leadership role in our longer-term response to these events. And one administrator described how he will always be grateful to Takara's leadership this year. And I'm going to quote him at some length. In the wake of the events of August 11th and 12th, he says, there was tremendous sadness and anger in our community. Many students, including students of color, expressed a sense of disorientation and loss of hope. Indeed, many in the administration struggled with similar emotions. Takara, however, quickly found her feet and turned to produ pr productive action. She organized heavily attended allyship events that were unflinching in addressing the issues, but they were also compassionate and constructive. They provided guidance and tools. In short, they instilled hope in the possibility of progress, and that hope crowded out despair." Close quote. Takara Nelson, like Ja Conde, embodies the courage, perseverance, and commitment to justice that Gregory Swanson embodied and that this award recognizes. Please join me in congratulating Takara Nelson. As we celebrate Ja and Takara, and as others have noted, it's obvious that we are here today both to understand the past and to provide a model for the future. In putting himself on the line for his beliefs, Gregory Swanson exemplifies the very best of the UVA lawyer then and now. He reminds us that change is possible when people identify the need for it, take responsibility for it, and feel, as Dr. Love says, empowered to act. Change is never complete, which is so clear at this particular moment. The best tribute that UVA Law School and the larger university can offer Gregory Swanson is to educate more students, our whole university, and the larger world, not only about the man himself and his history, but also about their potential and their responsibility to make change. Takara and Ja, all of our students, and indeed all of us together, represent that future the future Gregory Swanson helped to make possible. Thank you. <laughs>